This is Mercy Harper, writer for research services at APQC. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to APQC Podcasts on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. Storytelling is so important in knowledge management. In fact, APQC's research shows it's the number one way to get people to participate in KM. But what makes a good story? And how do we help people in the business feel comfortable sharing them? To figure this out, I invited Miriam Brousseau and Carla O'Dell for a chat about storytelling. Carla O'Dell is APQC's chairman of the board, and Miriam is the principal of Tiny Windows Consulting, a boutique consultancy focused on helping mission-driven organizations make the world a kinder, braver, more curious place through asking better questions and telling better stories. So without further ado, here's our conversation. So I wanted, I wanted to start by asking you both, and maybe Miriam, you can start off. Sure. Um, about what do you think makes a great story? What are the ingredients? Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately storytelling is about connection, right? So a good story fosters a connection either between two people or between a person and an idea. And it either sparks that connection or deepens it. So ultimately that's where you want your story to go. And there are certainly within that, there are lots of best practices about having emotion and including detail and having, you know, actual change, right? There has to be something that's different from the beginning of the story to the end. Um, character development, all of those things are important. Um, but ultimately, the, the, the crux of it is, does it create, foster, catalyze a, a connection between, between people or between people and ideas? Um, and I think the other thing that's really key to what makes a great story is um, I feel very strongly that stories are invitations and not presentations, um, that the intention of a, a good story is to invite people to share their own and not necessarily to be the big production that, um, that is about putting yourself on the stage. Um, it's about creating that, that communal currency, that, that connection between, between people. Um, so if your story gives others permission to share theirs, then it was effective. One of the things that, we, that I've found in organizations is it, all the things still matter, the element of surprise. We thought this, but then this or the element of danger or emotion, yeah. you know, all of, if you're, especially if you're not telling your own story, it has to be one that people I think can relate to. Mm -hmm. um, and that gets back to the audience. Have they had an experience like that? But if you can find the person in the story it is, that's really uh, always gonna be the best way, whether you tell it on a video mm -hmm. um, or otherwise, but it does, it is different if you're telling somebody else's story. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think there's also, there's an element of sort of the power dynamics that comes out in, in that as well. And if you're, uh, if you are a person in a position of leadership in an organization and you can tell your own story, lead with, lead with that vulnerability the way that Sharon did, right? Yeah. Lead with, with opening up with a, with an embarrassing moment or with a failure or whatever it is. I mean, the, um, the, if you are in a position of power and you lead with vulnerability, it becomes this equalizing force, mm -hmm. right? It becomes that relatability, that sense of humanity and connection. Um, if you are in a position of power and you are telling someone else's story, <laughs> then you need to be leading with strength, right? And and talking about um, what the what the bright spots are, wh what is going, you know, what's going well. Um, 
because then you know that's that's what becomes that that equalizing force it's yeah. saying you know right we're we're all on the same level and we're connecting around this and um and there's there's not a it it becomes it doesn't become exploitative which i don't see necessarily happening in you know um it well it can in any line of work but um if you're yeah i think you need to be conscious of sort of the, the hierarchy and the position and things like that as you're as you're gathering and sharing different stories like that yeah, yeah. so um can you say a little bit more uh, about what what can go wrong with that you just mentioned the word exploited but what can you say something about a little bit more about that because that's some a pitfall we should avoid mm -hmm. yeah i think that um being careful about using people's experiences as um, as object lessons and um, when when they're not sharing them themselves um, and um, I mean I, I'd be curious to, to think about how this might play out in in your work but there's a there's a there's an interesting case story that Andy Goodman who is another amazing kind of nonprofit storytelling guru um, talks about where he's working with an organization that is, um doing that that works with the homeless that works with people who are experiencing homelessness and originally this organization had put together a series of videos where they were highlighting their beneficiaries and those videos started with you know here here's greg greg is is currently homeless and he is living in he's living in this tent city under a bridge or whatever it might be and it was very emotionally affecting but it also led with his vulnerability right it, it and it it became actually a um a barrier for the audience mm -hmm. it's it was the, the the people watching that that video said i i can't relate to this person i feel separate from this person and so what they ended up doing was they went back to those videos and they backed up the story <laughs> to um before uh you know greg was became homeless and said you know i was i was just like you <laughs> um mm -hmm. i was in this office job i was doing x y and z i thought i was being very responsible and then these things out of my control happened um and here i am today and that was much more effective in terms of kind of maintaining that mm -hmm. that power balance and helping people understand the the issue um so i think it's it's just thinking about you know we we want to storytelling is a force for equal connection i think in the best case scenario so if um you know being conscious of those dynamics as you kind of frame those stories um is a is something something to keep in mind especially for leadership yeah and i think that's a, that ability to identify with the um protagonist in the story is really important because there's yeah. people otherwise they just tune out you know mm -hmm. if you don't uh, there's too much you know the new books called chatter but the chatter in your head will take over and you'll just go to the bahamas for whatever time it takes <laughs> to finish that story you know telling stories without that human element and kind of twisting them so that they're no longer that person's story mm -hmm. they're somebody else's story is it is a big problem and that's something that km teams can face because you know they hear about it from word of mouth word of mouth word of mouth and you know what would be better is if you could get the, the people in the business to just tell their own stories. Mm -hmm. So I guess that brings me to our next question is about how do you look for those and how do you get people to feel comfortable 
telling them, especially if they're they're not used to a lot of the folks that are using KM tools are not people who spend a lot of their time writing or speaking. And mm -hmm. so, you know, they may not feel like they can tell a story. Mm -hmm. So how do you how do you find those folks and then how do you, you build them up to, to feel comfortable doing this stuff? <laughs> yeah, um, I think there's a couple elements to it. Um, I, I mean, modeling is always the most powerful thing when it comes from the top and and there's, you know, leadership in an organization is is the leaders are coming forward and sharing their own stories and and like i said before leading with those little moments of vulnerability whether it's like a small embarrassment or a real failure or whatever it is that tends to open the floor um i think it, it also can be something that you can practice by helping those people lead with strength um noticing the taking that appreciative inquiry approach of saying um this is something that's going really well tell me about that um and or asking questions that sort of front load good feeling like what makes you proud of this project mm -hmm. um or uh you know in the in the course of your work with with x y or z what what made you smile what was what surprised you kind of like seeding those little emotions along the way mm -hmm. and giving again like giving people permission to open up and in, in in those positive ways which then i think can yeah. um can can lead to more to to, to to that richer deeper storytelling that may get at you know may get at bigger issues but i i think leading with these are the things that we're proud of these are things that we're excited by these are the things that um you know give us give us joy in our work um is a is a nice place to start as long as it feels genuine and not like it's, you know, toxic positivity kind of glossing right. over everything. But mm -hmm. it's like there's real moments of, uh, you know, sense of achievement and a sense of connection and um, pride. Mm -hmm. And that's that's a great place to start. I, I, I agree with that 100 percent. I found it the most effective way to begin any sort of um, collaboration with people that you don't mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. is to pretty formally go through we're going to go process tell us about the projects you've been most proud of yeah and, um, it really and then both sides just crow and then they get real uh vulnerable too you know about mm -hmm. and you know then you go into well, you know what, what what do you want to see happen now i mean those kind of things and, mm -hmm. and it's uh you're so right you know people want to share that i um in the knowledge management arena the there's always a point at which the storytelling becomes a communication program, you know, mm -hmm. you know, and so like going back to the or but Mercy's asking about the origins of the of the stories or how do you get the stories in the first place? It was easier when we could meet with a group over lunch and say, OK, tell us those things, you know, projects that you're proud of, things that are working really well. You know, you could have the uh, power users or the early adopters of a, of a knowledge management program. And then they feed off of each other. And then you can also uh, pick out the best stories by having them do it. Which are the stories that really make the most sense that mm -hmm. would really resonate with other people? Because you're not necessarily, as Mercy said, the person asking or leading this thing is not necessarily the best one to do that. And you could get a, a boss type in there, you know, if you if that you think that would help uh, elicit the stories. Then I think you have an opportunity at that point to get permission to say, OK, how can we use these? You know, do you want real names used? What do you think we should do? Should we do videos? Uh, you know, what what can we do? Because then you can load those on the website and, and also use them to convince people. So that's 
one thing that I think has worked really well building off the appreciative inquiry is a, a group store, uh, collect, you know, storytelling. What are you laughing at, Mercy? I am just thinking you are the master of transitions because that is like absolutely brings us to the next question, which is the ways to share the best ways to share a story once you've got one. So you mentioned a couple of ideas and mm -hmm. I know that you're really innovative in this space, Miriam. So I'd love to hear some about um, what you've been doing with that. <laughs> um, that's so kind. Um, I think there there's so many ways to share a story. And I think part of it is building it, building little moments for storytelling into your process is really is really powerful. So um, when you do have time to get together over over Zoom or whatever it might be, having having a moment of um, of sharing and connection um, can be can be so powerful. I think that sometimes a a story can be uh, shared so simply with like a single image and a caption. <laughs> um, I was working with an early childhood organization that was talking about the way that they were preparing their building to uh, to be ready to, to welcome the children back in after all of the COVID precautions had been taken. And there there are so many ways to, to sort of communicate that to the, the parents of these young children who are, you know, being entrusted to the care of these of these early childhood professionals. And um, this amazing early childhood director uh, took a picture of this like massive cleaning machine that they were using and said, we're so excited to get started with this big old machine and like, and take care of the playground. And, um, and it was such a bizarre sort of surprising moment um, that was not like in the technical weeds. It wasn't, um, and, and it, it wasn't approaching this, this very, you know, very concerning situation from a standpoint of fear, but of a stand, from a standpoint of, of, possibility and um, and it was just a, a very sort of human way of communicating that that moment in a really just like a simple powerful image of like this big honking machine that I get to play <laughs> with <laughs> um, and so um, I think just you know boiling those those stories down to the essence of, of that that moment of surprise that moment of change or transition or um, that emotional hook. I think there's there's a lot of um, there's a lot of inspiration that you can draw from uh, with regards to storytelling from like honestly internet memes. <laughs> um, there was there's a there's a, a couple like uh, Twitter memes going around about you know sharing two pictures and saying how it started, how it's going. Um, and that's a story, right? Because that's an arc from here's where we began and here's mm. where it ended. So giving a snapshot of what uh, giving a snapshot from the very beginning, a snapshot of where you are sort of implies the arc of change there and just like captures it and it captures it in a really nice distilled way. Um, and um, so I, I think it's it's nice to kind of hunt around for the way that the playful side of the Internet is <laughs> is telling its stories to be able to, you know, distill big ideas and moments of human connection into just images in a few words. Mercy, include what Miriam said. It was so good about build it into your process, even if it's just a minute at the beginning of a meeting. Yeah. Uh, I'll give you an example that I've used and haven't had a chance to have a meeting like this in a while, but 
Um, just to say to people, you know, everybody's so busy, even with, you know, everybody, I don't know who's all these people got all this extra time on their hands with COVID lockdown, not me. I mean, you know, there's always something going on. Um, but anyway, to say to folks at the beginning, okay, let's just take a minute. What's on your mind before you came into this or this meeting? Don't even, you know, what's, you know, kind of what's going on in your real world? And mm -hmm. people will spend, you know, just take a minute, <clears throat> just kind of share. Um, yeah. Scale yeah. one to 10, are you, you know, how you feel, you know, that kind of, anything that gets people um, in the room in a way that acknowledges that they're people, I think really will also facilitate that um, you know, transition and this ability mm -hmm. to tell stories and to empathize with each other. Yeah, and I think if you can, there's 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 really good examples of, of questions that help invite people to share. Sometimes the question is just too big. Um, you know, tell me about how you're doing or how are you feeling? It's just, it's too amorphous and too wide for people to have something to kind of sink their teeth into. And so sometimes those smaller, those those questions that give people kind of creative constraints can be really powerful. Um, one of my favorite exercises to do with, with groups lately, especially, is um, since we're all getting this intimate look into people's homes <laughs> and um, everybody's, you know, working from their own spaces now is to take advantage of that and to ask people to say, okay, just look around on your desk and find, tell me about an object, right, that's nearby and and share, share a personal connection or, or whatever it might be just to get people talking and reflecting a little bit. I did an exercise with a group a little while ago where I, um, the icebreaker was asking people to, you know, take a minute and go through your house and find an object that represents your experience of 2020. This was an exercise we did early in January and um, we got some really creative, interesting examples. I mean, one woman lifted up a, a baby toy that was this knotted plastic mess and she's like, I had a baby and I feel like a knotted plastic mess. <laughs> and that was a great story and gave me a lot of insight into who she is and how and what she's all about. And someone else leaned over and picked up this massive stained glass window um, because she had learned to do stained glass and was creating these pieces for her family in, you know, during these crazy coronavirus times. And just give again, giving people permission to share just a little bit of themselves. Um, and to to give them literally, in the case of like finding an object, giving them literally something to hold on to, mm. to kind of define the parameters of that story, to say, you don't have to share everything. You don't have to spill your guts in front of us, but um, here's, a, here's, a, here's a container for you to put that story in. Mm -hmm. um, Love that. Very nice. I wanted to ask you guys about when it comes to these ways of sharing stories, what you think about video, especially right now. We used to we were pushing video a lot. And are we all videoed out with Zoom now? Is that still a good idea? You know, and I'm thinking of, you know, you're kind of like a produced video, semi produced at least, not like a team's call mm -hmm. for storytelling. Yeah, I think, I mean, my sense is that video is still the closest thing that we have to real human interaction. Um, and it can be enormously powerful. I think that we are a little zoomed out. <laughs> um, and I think mixing up the medium can be really helpful. Um, 
and uh, but the thing is when you say when you say video like there's there's all kinds of things that can, that, that can mean as well um, and I did a I did a project with uh, Mercy knows about this I did a project with an organization that um, deals with survivors of domestic abuse and we could not show these people on camera and so we used animation um, and that was a and that was a, a powerful way of kind of creating these personas people who are not real in and of themselves but who are representative of the kind of people that we were trying to talk to um, and showing share showing and sharing stories that that mattered and moved people to action um, without necessarily getting folks faces on camera um, but I think mixing up the medium is really exciting and something that the digital age in particular gives us a lot of freedom and opportunity to do there's there's amazing things happening in web comics there's wonderful things happening in um you think about an instagram story for instance and all of the possibilities with stickers and interaction and things like that they become these digital scrapbooks that are kind of um you know little moments of of, of stories and metaphors and slices of life and um, there's there's like there's just too many possibilities. <laughs> so I think the bigger challenge is narrowing in on what are the what are the mediums that that work best for your industry that fit best with your culture and um, really carry the moral of the story that you're mm -hmm. you're trying to get across. Mm -hmm. I, I'd like this wonderful and and I'd like to add on to that that given that we are on computer screens all so much of the time now. Um, it needs to be worth people's while to mm -hmm. watch a video. It, it makes it more incumbent on us to do something substantive with people and yet not boring. Um, yeah. I was on a call the other night um, where the we were supposed to be looking at museums and art and mm -hmm. they were we were it was being led by the curator of that particular museum or particular collection, right? And the first 20 minutes was a, ta a talking head of what it's like to be a curator. Mm. And we're kind of looking back, there's some real good looking stuff back there. <laughs> you know, and to tell the story and uh, a visual story with just words was awful. And, yeah. you know, it was really awful. So it, it, we're all more critical. Listen to me, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm sympathetic and I understand the issue, but can't do that. You just can't do that. So that mm -hmm. makes it harder to mercy, I think. And it's not so much our standards have changed. I mean, it mm -hmm. used to be okay to, you know, show up with a background that looked really awful and it was a mess and your lighting was bad and all that. And mm -hmm. like, we're in this for the long haul. So there's a little bit more uh, standards about it. I'm, you know, mm -hmm. I think. The other thing I think that's, um, that this and Miriam knows a lot more about this than I do, but the the sense that um, that if you're going to have a story that's worthwhile in business, sometimes it helps to have two things. Like I, one of my favorite frames, you got to appeal to the heart as well as the head, mm -hmm. and you know you got to you, you can the head is where the data is, especially depending on your audience. You know mm -hmm. we we say it. You know I saved three hours doing that you know, three hours that I could spend doing something else, you know, and mm -hmm. then, but you got to tell about, you know, and here's what I did with it, or how's how, here's how I, you know, spent that time. Otherwise, it's just anecdotes, but I think there's a, a, sometimes the, the data along with an anecdote is a mm -hmm. really uh, powerful 
uh, combination gets at the heart and the head. Yeah, 100%, especially if you're thinking about storytelling for in the in the capacity of like change management or thinking about wanting to kind of shift things in a different direction there's a great book by um the heath brothers chip and dan heath yeah. um, um, <laughs> and um they uh in uh in their book switch how to change when change is hard or something like that i think is the is the subtitle um and they they talk about that the the sort of three elements that you need to speak to in order to help people change because we don't want to change like we're fine don't don't mess with me right <laughs> like um but you need to talk to they talk about the elephant the rider and the path right that the 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 rider is sort of the head intellectual data driven piece of part of piece of ourselves that we think makes all of the decisions but is really kind of helpless because they're sitting on top of this elephant that is our emotional self um, that's really calling the shots and how do we speak to both of those and then also name the path right what is the next step where do we want people to go with that and um, those are those are good ingredients for great storytelling right about about you know, having having enough data to make the case, but also having that um, emotional hold on on people and really being able to speak to that elephant side of us, and then giving them something to do with it. Right? What is the next step? What's mm -hmm. the path? What is the what is the call to action? Therefore, moral of the story: take this action. Um, and so, combining those pieces can be, you know, a really effective set of ingredients for a good story. What, uh, can I ask a, a follow-up question, Lucy? Absolutely. So what advice would you, um, if you were to ask a lot of people in business, can they tell a joke? No, I can't tell a joke. Can you tell a story? No, I can't tell a joke. Can you start a story? Can you draw a picture? No, I can't draw. You know, I mean, they start out with, oh, no, I, I can't tell a story. Um, how would you respond to that concern people have? Hmm. I think that's, I, it would be nice to go into those conversations with an example in my pocket of a time that they had already done that <laughs> without really realizing it, um, because all of us have. Um, we are constantly telling stories. We are constantly drawing pictures, all of these things. And um, I think it's been, um, you know, it's part of the downside of storytelling becoming such a marketing buzzword and things like that is is somehow this idea that there are there that there are you know that there is one way to do it that there's that there there's a particular process that you need to follow that this is something that you have to learn how to do and i think like look like anything um you do it you practice it you put some attention and intention into it and you're going to get better at it but this is something storytelling in particular is so innate to the human condition <laughs> um we wouldn't be where we are and who we are without stories and um so i think being able to sort of name that this is something that's already in you and something that you're already doing is part of it um, and then asking asking good questions, right? Asking those kinds of questions that um, lend themselves to story. Um, one thing that I've noticed is that there's a lot of talk in um, in the nonprofit world and in the you know cause driven business world in general about starting with why the whole Simon Sinek kind of model of why, how, and what, um, which is great, absolutely. But if you want to get at someone's why, you don't ask them why because the mm -hmm. question why begs a reason, right? 
you're looking which is which is that head side of things it's the rider it's the rational side mm -hmm. um and the story isn't necessarily a reason <laughs> so um so you ask questions that start with tell me about or start with when did you first know that whatever it might be um questions where the where the framing and the phrasing lends itself to a story as opposed to lending itself to a reason um so those are a couple of things that come to mind mm -hmm. i think that's really great i found that why imply is almost an accusatory question mm -hmm. and just really to be avoided at all costs sometimes you just fall into well, why'd you do it that way you know because you you really want to know why you did it that way because that would be cool but mm -hmm. it doesn't always come across that way yeah it puts people in a defensive posture that's not you know. I think if you go back to what you were saying earlier, too, about um, it puts a lot of pressure on people to say, OK, now I need a story as opposed mm -hmm. to uh, tell me some stuff that we've been doing that you're really proud of. Like, mm -hmm. how did we pivot here? Mm -hmm. You know, when I mean, that's one that everybody something that everybody has something they can say about. Mm -hmm. We all know about our own experience, you know, mm -hmm. something we saw or that, got, you know, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's just about getting at the getting at the change, right? The before and the after. Um, any, any, you know, relating an experience where we started here, we ended up here, and tracing that chain of events like that is a story. Mm -hmm. um, and there are ways of framing that. You can think about how do you how do you want to put that out in the world? Like who's the hero of the story? Who's the protagonist that you want to put at the center? Because as soon as you shift the protagonist, you change the moral, right? <laughs> so, um, so who you put at the center of the story matters a lot as well. But um, we've you know we've all got this in this in this. We're we're telling stories all the time. It's just mm -hmm. about having the having the invitation. I'm Mercy Harper. Thanks for joining us for this APQC podcast. Please go to apqc.org to learn more and have a great rest of your day.